I believe in uh, putting things genuine and personal because as I said, you know, people want to connect with you on a personal level and, and the posts that are more personal are the ones that like the most. People, people react most to things that are more personal. I strongly believe that people do business with people. Welcome to Be Bold Branding, where we discuss the power of differentiating yourself through your own unique story and standout personal brand. Our guest today has worked in the male-dominated tech industry for over 20 years. Two years ago, upon her return to Israel after spending nine years in the U.S., Limora Bergman decided to follow her calling and support women's career growth in the tech industry. She challenged women to think bigger, tear down ceilings, and make more money in one-third of the time they thought it would take them. She created a mentor program for women called Power to Fly, and today we're learning more about Limor's story. Well, welcome to Be Bold Branding. Hi, Tonya and Michael. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. For all the listeners, we were talking to Lamar about our love for Israel and the country and how we've had experience there and love it and are going back next year and cannot wait. So it was very interesting when I saw, when Tanya told me that you were going to be on her show, I was all excited. I was like, all right, that's, that's fantastic. I wish yeah. I could say something in Hebrew to her. I could say Boker Tov, but I don't think it's uh, morning uh, actually, to you. Actually, now it's Lila Tov. <laughs> Lila Tov, okay. <laughs> All right. That's awesome. Let's just jump right into it. You know, like we told you, this is a free flowing conversation. We want to learn more about you and our listeners yeah. and what you do. So, so let's start like this. Was there a specific event or person in your life that shaped who you are now that resulted in what you're doing now? So I was working in the tech industry. I started my career as a software engineer and then grew to leadership. And one day, uh, I think it was at the end of 2016, I was approached by an organization called Plateau. And back then they had a different name, like a small startup, a French person reached out to me and said, hey, do you want to mentor managers? And I said, yeah, sure, sounds interesting. And I started mentoring engineering managers in the beginning of 2017. And I found out two things. First, I loved it. It was great. It was a lot of fun. And the second thing is that they, I got a lot of positive feedback from managers I mentored. And let, that kind of, I think, was the first signal of what I'm doing today. And it took me several years to realize that I had a passion for helping others, that I really enjoyed helping other managers. And I was good at that. I was actually good. And that combined with my passion to having more women in the tech industry led to what I'm doing today. Okay. Oh, that's fascinating. So what drew you to the tech industry to begin with, Limor? Being practical and wanting to earn money. <laughs> 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 Nothing romantic or, you know, uh, fancy about it straight yeah. out. I mean, I was good at math at, you know, in high school, I, I studied math, physics, chemistry. I was good. It came easy. I tried programming lesson. When I was in the military, I took a programming course at Open University and said, oh, looks fine. I can do that. <laughs> it's a good profession. I didn't really know what I wanted back then. And I, I just went and studied computer science and uh, started my career. Did you have a mentor throughout that time? 
Not at the beginning, not at the beginning. I had my first mentor when I started managing because uh, that was uh, a big shock to me. I didn't know what I was doing and uh, I really needed help. I'm going to put you on the spot. What yeah. would you say was the best advice that that mentor ever gave you? Was there anything that ever stood out? Yeah, something I remember till this day. Um, I was supposed to travel to San Diego to a meeting with a client, with a strategic client that we had. And for the first time in my career, I actually had to lead. Uh, I was in charge of leading a very strategic partnership with a client. And, and uh, I was very incompetent, like, oh, can I do that? Like, what will happen if, if I don't know something? Or, you know, I had a lot of self-doubt. And I remember sitting with my mentor and kind of uh, thinking out loud of all my fear and all the things that they had. And I said, you can do that. I, I, I'm sure that you can do that. And, and we play different, like, what we'll do if something like that happened? And I realized, okay, nothing really bad can happen. And uh, he, he gave me a lot of confidence. And that's what I needed. I needed someone to believe in me more than I believed in myself. That's so good. Yeah. Yes. And I guess you could draw a parallel too. Now that's what you do, right? Yeah. Like with the people that you work with, you are now gone from needing that to actually providing that for your people, I would say, that work with you. Exactly. And uh, just uh, helping people to realize that they have possibilities, that they have strength, that they actually can bring value and they can do more than what they do today. And a lot of times what happens, the limitations come from our heads and not from anything reality-based. I agree with that. That is what we love to do with Brandface. And when we build brands for people, we see that transformation and it's our favorite part of it. Helping people to see, you know, we have a saying, it's hard to read the label when you're inside the jar. And so yeah. you need somebody else okay. to say, no, 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 what you're feeling isn't correct. This is what we're seeing, right? And then they're always shocked. They're always like, oh, that's me or that, you know, we're like, yeah, we just, you just gave us the information and we just gave it back to you. But I think that all humans have that. I don't think any of us escape that self-doubt at times. And somebody else to just say, hey, this is what I see in you. Is very powerful. Yeah, absolutely. That's absolutely. True. Do you find that people in the tech industry, because normally people in the tech industry or engineering or something like that are a little bit more analytical, do you find that they're more introverted? I think people definitely in engineering are more introverted. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think so, too. Can you maybe share some tips on how introverted people can network? Yeah. I mean, first of all, I consider myself introverted. I think that, first of all, really trying to get out of your shell, even if it's hard. Like, I'll tell you, I, I was traveling back in the days where, you know, everyone were traveling to tech conferences. Now they have a lot of, you know, hybrid and, and people don't travel as much as they used to because they realize, oh, I can just do it from my home and, and not travel. But I remember going to tech conferences and always I was uncomfortable. I said, oh my God, I'm going to be with thousands of people and now I need to start reaching out and start connect and I hated it and, and it was really difficult, but I forced myself to do it because I knew that I'm evolving, right? I'm, I'm, I'm growing as I'm doing that. But now it's even easier because you can do it from the comfort of your home. You can do it via, you know, virtually and, and it's less intimidating. So 
So I do encourage people to find the communities that they feel comfortable with and, and start networking at least virtually. It's easier than doing it face-to-face and also going face-to-face and uh, doing something a little bit uncomfortable every day. Yeah, something that scares you a little bit every day. You, ought to, yeah. you constantly mm-hmm. should be stretching yourself like that. Yes, um, absolutely. That's true. Now, you mentioned another thing that definitely the the pandemic changed for a lot of people is the ability to travel for one thing. And that meant not only, you know, are we not meeting with people face to face? A lot of times we're not even meeting with our own team face to face. We have, you know, remote teams and ours has always been, you know, spread out. We only have one team member here in the same city with us and all the rest of them are in different countries, pretty much. So what are some strategies that you can share to manage those remote teams really effectively? So I actually started managing in 2016 when remote was not a thing (laughs) as it's now. I think connecting, connecting is really, really important. And uh, I remember forcing, (laughs) so I was managing a team and uh, everyone were remote. I was still traveling. I I still met them. I invested time in, you know, and energy in traveling too. And usually when I travel, by the way, I, I remember something that my manager back then told me. When you travel, don't work. Like, don't focus so much on the work, on the results of the trip work-wise, but focus on the connection piece. So I think if you cannot travel, find ways to connect. Find ways to connect with people on on a more personal level. Spend some time with them, you know, and, and try to find ways virtually where you can connect. You can do contests, you can do happy hours, you can do for the holidays, right? Different things, Secret Santa, I don't know. Try to find some, some ways where you can connect to people, to their personal side. I think this is what is missing the most when you don't see people face to face. Everything is like, okay, we, we go to a meeting right now. You don't have the opportunity to grab coffee or to go for lunch or do something else. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's great advice because the business stuff we can handle virtually like this, right? But when you have the opportunity to be in someone's presence again after, you know, it was practically ripped away from all of us, taking that more seriously now makes a lot of sense. Yeah, we've noticed like even in our business, it's a personal business, like we're one-on-one with our clients, but in our development of clients, we spend more time now than we used to because we realize just how it's personal branding and you need to get to know those people that you're working with and want even the people that you want to work with, even if you're not working with them now. And I think that we're beginning to realize you probably knew it before any of the rest of us because being in the tech world, you can get lost in the numbers and lost in the algorithms and lost in the, in like trying to put out this business that's not forward facing, but really and truly the personal connection is what matters. Even if it's a business doing business with a business, you're still a person doing business with another person in that, you know, like you talked about your strategic partnership and you were spearheading that. That was probably B2B, but still it was up to you and that other person to build that relationship that brought these two firms together. And uh, that's big. It all boils down to the people. They don't do business with a logo. I completely agree with you. I strongly believe that people do business with people. Mm -hmm. And I want people, to, and, and remember when you know, asked me which link to put, and I said, put my LinkedIn URL, because I want people to know me. 
I want people to know who I am and figure out if I'm the right fit for them. And maybe I'm not, and that's okay too. I just had a call earlier uh, this week about an opportunity to do a workshop because I do also workshops, not that just coaching. And I was chatting with the woman from HR and, and I said, listen, I mean, before you even think further, I'll send you a URL to a, to a webinar I did and, and to my LinkedIn and just have a look and see if you like it. If, if you connect to me, if you feel like I'm the right fit, because eventually, you know, someone need to, to think that I'm the right fit for them and like, and the other way around. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. so true. And it's never going to be successful unless there is a fit. I yeah. think a lot of people ignore that part. They just go by reputation, which is fine. Everyone, you know, we all strive for a great reputation, but if there isn't a fit, we've missed the mark. Mm -hmm. I do agree. Yeah. I think you have to have that. You have a formula that we share with our client about how to find that ideal customer, but it's really important. I mean, everybody approaches it like, okay, more customers, right? But it's, it's really about the value of those relationships. Like my grandpa used to say, uh, it costs just as much to feed a good horse as it does to feed a bad one. So like you, you, you're right. So you might as well be working with the ones that want that connect with you, that want to work with you because you're not going to work as hard. If you're trying to force the fit with somebody else, then that you're just not connecting. You're just, you're working harder. Maybe they're not responding the way you need them to. They, it's just, you know, life's too, too short to dance with ugly personality. Absolutely. You really got to work with yeah, I agree with you. And you know, you know, Michael, one of my motivations to go work independently is having the freedom of choice to choose who I work with. Because mm -hmm. when you are employed, you don't always choose who you work with. And I had my share of people that I really didn't enjoy working with. Mm -hmm. I don't want to use any, you know. No, we've all words. had that. <laughs> yeah. And, and now I have the privilege to be able to choose who I mm -hmm. work with. Obviously, they choose me too, but I choose them as well. Sure, sure. Oh, yes, that's so true. And, you know, when we started talking to you before we went live here, we talked about LinkedIn and how you really wanted people to get to know you on LinkedIn. Would you share some advice on how other people can set up their LinkedIn profiles a little bit better so that when someone visits their profile, they do feel like they know that person a little better? Yeah. I mean, first of all, use the background picture and put something about yourself that represents you. It can be a picture. It could be some uh, tagline or whatever. And, and use headline. The headline is a great way to deliver a short and sweet message. You have 250 characters, of, if I'm not mistaken, and you can use all of them to describe who you are and what you do and post, post stuff. Don't, don't be afraid to put some stuff. And I believe in uh, putting things genuine and personal, even on LinkedIn, because as I said, you know, people want to connect with you on a personal level and, and the posts that are more personal are the ones that like the most people, people react most to things that are more personal. That's so true. What does yep. your LinkedIn headline say, Limor? Well, I don't remember by heart, but it's something like uh, I lead women in tech to find the next level in, in their careers or something like that. Perfect. Um, yeah. That's all you need to see at yeah. first glance. And I change it over time. All the time I change it. I refine it if I think it's not accurate. So it's a living thing. It's not like static that I just put and forget. 
That's so true. That's so true. And as well with the brand, right? It is a living, breathing thing. And sometimes you need to go in and edit a few things if you feel like there's stronger, better language for that. And the whole world is a case study, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And how long ago did you leave the corporate world and start that you might have answered that earlier, but and started the coaching? So I stopped uh, corporate uh, at the beginning of 2020. And I didn't start coaching right away. I took a coaching, uh, a six month training. And and also it happened like, because there was a client that I was talking to and they asked me if I have a coaching certification. And then I realized that maybe I should have a certification if I wanted to take that seriously. And for a while, I was, I was consulting to a company called power to fly the one that I created the mentorship program for. So I started coaching actually like in the last six months. Uh, and I really enjoy, I really enjoy doing that. It's very rewarding. Yeah, I would say that's the way we feel. We love working with our clients because it's just, it is a rewarding thing to see them succeed and, and excited about, you know, succeeding, yeah. which is really, really good. You know, we, we asked this question uh, of all of our guests. Um, so if our listeners have the freedom to visit anywhere in the world, which place would you recommend that they go and why? I think it depends what they want, what they love. <laughs> what do you? What's your what favorite place? What's my favorite? It's really hard to say because it changes. Obviously, I love Israel. I mean, that's why we moved back. But uh, we are going to visit. Or we have friends who live uh, outside of Boston, and we fell in love uh, with New England. We've been there last summer, and we're going to be there again the coming summer. And and again, there are so many places. I love Colorado. I would love to to go back and ski. And mm-hmm. it really depends on what's my mood like and what I want to do. Yep, that's so true. Some of our guests, they're they're just like you. They're like, oh, there's so many good <laughs> places. So many and places I, like where, where can I say? But I, I would agree with you. Boston's always been one of my favorite places. I put Boston as one of my top three favorite cities in the United States. They, uh, I've always loved it. It's um, it's beautiful. And the food is, we love seafood anyway, so, so that makes it that much better. <laughs> true, true. Okay, two final questions for you, Limor. Okay, so what one piece of advice would you give to people, you can say, you know, in the tech industry or wherever, you know, about personal branding and the importance of that as it relates to what they do for others? So there are two things. I think that uh, we limit ourselves with titles. And I, I always encourage people that uh, I work with, don't limit yourself to one thing. And that's one of the things that I learned. I can do multiple things. I can coach, I can do workshops, I can do public speaking. There are endless things that I could do, and I probably just uh, uh, found a fraction of those. So try to think about what are the things that you're good at and, and open up yourself to possibilities. And when you brand yourself also, you don't have to just limit yourself to one thing. And a lot of time people, you know, on LinkedIn, they put, okay, I can do only this role. But no, you can do multiple That's a good point because what we teach is everybody has multiple points of differentiation, right? It's not just one thing that makes us unique. It's normally multiple things that make us unique. It's really harnessing those things and the ability to present those in a focused manner, not to say necessarily, I only sell purple widgets on Thursdays, right? (laughs) But it's basically to say, I am the purple 
widget queen, small, medium, or large, right? (laughs) (laughs) So that's kind of taking a very, very, like almost too focused and broadening it just a little bit, but still being known for that purple widget world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. By the way, I believe in niche, in finding your niche. And my niche is women in tech, uh, even more specifically tech leadership and engineering. Uh, Because I thought about, okay, I can help everyone, but I want to help specific people and where I bring, I feel also I bring the most value. Mm -hmm. So I I am a believer in kind of finding your unique value proposition where you shine and highlight that. Yeah, agree, you know, wholeheartedly. And when you niche it down like that, you can speak directly to those people. And it's amazing to me more people don't do it. I think they'll catch on in time. It's uh, And they feel like you were made for them. Yeah, when you do that. This woman was put on earth to help me go from A to Z in the tech world, right? Mm -hmm. That's the feeling you want when you're really dialed in with that brand, for sure. Yeah. So what's the best way for people to learn about you? We put your LinkedIn here, and we'll also put it in the show notes for everybody. Um, is there another place you'd like to send them? If I think LinkedIn wanting? is perfect, and you can Google me. You can, I, I do a lot of podcasting, so, I mean, uh, just Google my name, and you'll find all the different episodes. And, and really, I, try, I do podcasts for two reasons. I mean, first of all, I love it. <laughs> I, I really enjoy it and I enjoy meeting people like yourself. Uh, I mean, it's a great way to network mm-hmm. um, and to share the, my values and what I believe in. And also it helps people find me and connect. And, and again, as I said, connect with me on a personal level. It's not just putting something out there. It's like people can find me, can listen to what I have to say and can realize if they like what I say or not. And if they connect mm-hmm. to me. Yes. Uh, We love the podcasting world. We did it when it was so hard to even match up with people and it's gotten easier. Thank goodness. through some great platforms that meet great people like yourself that are, you know, literally a half a world away. And we're just like, we're in the same room together. It's it's incredible. I love it. Just this morning, we were taping an episode with a lady in in Paris, France. And now we're with you in Israel. Yes, it's Not incredible. Far from Tel Aviv, incredible. so yeah, yeah, we love it. It true, it truly is. Well, Limor, thank you so much for sharing your insight and wisdom with us today. You've been such a pleasure, and we wish you all the best. Thank you, Tanya and Michael. It's been a pleasure. Brought to you by Brandface, the only comprehensive personal brand building system across the globe.